This is the Wealth Game Podcast, where business owners and investors learn the game of growing and keeping more of their wealth through the same tax and investment strategies used by the wealthy. Your host, Brent Beeman, is a CPA, tax advisor, and president of Beeman & Company. Let's talk about some strategies for business owners. I'm going to break it down into four main categories. There's really thousands and thousands of different strategies, but I think by breaking it down into these four main categories, it might help you think of it in in the way that it, I, I want to project it out to you. So number one is structuring your business correctly. We'll talk about some ways to do that. Number two is deducting your regular day-to-day operating costs. Three is just being aware of new deductions and, and credits that are available to you as a business owner that were not available to you if you're not a business owner. And then four, I want to talk about tax-free increases to your wealth and tax-free cash flow that you can get um, by using your business. So back to number one, structuring your business correctly. When we talk about the structure, this is we're talking about the business entities or the LLCs or corporations that you set up, just making sure they're in line or they're tiered correctly. And at the bare minimum, that you at least have some sort of structure and entity in place. There are so many different options. We've talked about some of those options. Like one of the episodes was the four different ways that LLCs are taxed. We've talked about corporations and S corporations. Um, typically, we're seeing uh, business owners, they'll normally have an LLC that's set up, and then you'll decide how that is taxed. Just be aware of how an LLC is taxed. Um, normally, we'll, we'll recommend having, say, an operating entity. Say you have one business. You typically have one operating entity, and this could be like a main, this could be a holding company that owns some other operating entities as well, but this would probably be an LLC that's taxed as an S-corporation if you're the only owner. And in that S-corporation, it could own other businesses. So you've got four different types of businesses you run. You would probably have an, an S-corporation at the top. You'd own 100% of that, and then you could have LLCs underneath your main S-corporation. Um, and they could be having different operations and be going into different things. But it, there's so many different variations. We, I, I can kind of give you a general idea of what we would normally recommend, but you've really got to look at it yourself. And it, it's different for everybody. But you probably have an LLC taxes and S corporation for your your operating company. And then if you have a if you have investments, say it's real estate or you're a passive investor investor in a few things, you probably have a separate entity for that. That would be your your LLC. That's a um, that would be another holding company. That's your investment holding company, and that could be a partnership or it might be a sole proprietorship. Um, but you could have investments underneath that. And then if you did have a, a C corporation, if you built that into your planning, that's usually when you've got you want to do some tax bracket planning or you you want to kind of pull some management of a of a company separate from your main S corporation. You'd probably have both. Um, we won't get go into that whole structure, but just make sure that that is one of the main areas of strategy for business owners. So that, that was number one, structuring your business and en- entity or just your businesses in general correctly. It, number two <laughs> is deducting your regular day-to-day operating costs. This might sound silly bringing that up, but you'll, we'll see a lot of times where people just, they just don't track what they're spending. And so at the end of the year, if you're looking for deductions, if you didn't track it, 
if you didn't know you even spent something, how can you deduct it? So this is what I want to bring up here is just making sure you are tracking those deductions in an accounting system, like a, a QuickBooks. A QuickBooks online works perfectly fine for small to medium-sized businesses. Um, track the track your deductions there. Make sure when you have an LLC, make sure you are um, you have business or bank accounts underneath that LLC, and then you can bring those transactions directly into your accounting system. And, and categorize them right there in your QuickBooks online. So if, you, if you've if you run the transaction through your business account and your business account is syncing with your accounting system, you're likely not going to miss that deduction. You're gonna, you're, you're gonna know that you've spent the money on it. The issues that we see is where people will have, say a checking account in another business or their personal checking account and they're spending things, they've got deductions through those accounts but it's just mingled with their personal accounts or mingled. Yeah. Their few business deductions are completely mingled with their personal deductions and they just get buried and you just can't find them at the end of the year. On one side, it's, it's not good for taxes because they get buried and you can miss the deduction on the other. You just, you just don't want to mingle personal and corporate funds. That's more of like an asset protection and liability protection, just not good to do uh, for your, your asset protection planning. So make sure you do have an accounting system in place and make sure uh, you have an, a, you're have you syncing all your business transactions with that. And then you can, yeah, the way that you categorize those or it is important in the way that you categorize it, but even more important is to just capture those transactions and just have the ability to, to categorize them somewhere just so you don't lose it. Okay, so we've gone through structuring. Number one was structure your business correctly. Number two, main category of these strategies is just deducting those regular costs. And number three is being aware of new deductions and the credits available to you as a business owner. This is the area. This is, this is a massive area. We could go on for hours and hours on this, but these new deductions and credits, uh, these are deductions that if you think of yourself as a business owner, and if you're new, especially as a new business owner, you're probably not thinking of these costs. Um, sometimes the tax code will change and it'll bring up completely different opportunities or pull back on opportunities. Like one of these was like entertainment costs for for you as a business owner. Say you wanted to go take one of your, your colleagues or a potential client, you wanted to go take them golfing or to a basketball game or a football game. For years and years, we were able to deduct those costs. Uh, they were called entertainment costs. And you could deduct them, but we, we'd only be able to capture about 50 or 50% 50 of it as a deduction for your business. But then a couple of years ago, they just completely removed that. So there's no more entertainment costs, but there's still advertising and promotional costs. So some of these entertainment costs that might have been misclassified as entertainment, they would likely or should be categorized as advertising and promotion now, but taking your, your client to a jazz game, that's the Utah jazz. If you took them to a game, it likely wouldn't be deductible unless it was the food. Food is deductible, but we'll go through some of these, just kind of some of these main things that I see people miss all the time. So one of those new deductions that you want to make sure you're capturing is travel costs as a business owner, or even as say an investor or a real estate investor, you're traveling to potential places that you want to do business, you're traveling to where 
Uh, you have service providers um, traveling to meet your CPA. Or you're traveling to meet potential clients. If you are traveling or as a real estate investor, you're traveling to places where you're wanting to invest, make sure you're deducting those costs. Keep track of those costs. Put them through your business accounts. Don't lose those travel costs. And really, you you can structure your travel to be completely deductible. Um, if you're traveling with your family, you might be able to have a family trip that's completely deductible. If you have uh, kids that are employees, a spouse that is a part owner, if you're all involved in in furthering the or in benefiting the business and increasing income, increasing the kind of the awareness of the business throughout the country, it's possible to deduct all your travel costs. Just make sure you track it um, and just make sure you do have a business purpose with those travel costs. Another one would be just make sure you're tracking meals. Uh, meals are deductible with say employees or for training, corporate events, meals with clients. Um, if you're having meals with say your spouse and your spouse is a part owner, deduct those meals. I'm, I'm sure you're talking about business. And if you, if you're not talking about business, I'd recommend it and it'd make your meals deductible. If you have kids that are employees, same thing goes there. Um, just make sure you're tracking those. There's a lot of these costs where you might not think they are deductible, but they could be. Another one would be cell phone costs, like whatever you're using for your business, cell phones, tablets, computers. If that is an integral part of your business, make sure you, you deduct that. Um, if you have, we have an episode completely and dedicated to this specifically, but the business use of home costs, it's not that complicated once you understand how the calculations work and what you can and can't deduct, but make sure you are deducting part of your home. If you have an administrative office there, if you are working there, if it's a key part of your business, if you're meeting clients there, if you're storing inventory there, if you're parking corporate vehicles there, if you have tools or you're actually doing work for your business there, make sure you're calculating that business use of home deduction. There's a lot of aspects to that that can be very beneficial. Uh, another one of these is paying your family to help in the business. There is that opportunity of paying your kids. Say you've got a 15 or 16 year old son or daughter and they help you. They're, they're a big part of your business. Say you run a uh, just as a quick example, say a landscaping business and you bring them along to help you mow the lawns or lay sod or plant trees. If they're there helping you in the business, don't make them work for free. Make sure you're paying them because the business can get a deduction and they can earn up to $12,500 a year completely tax-free. Your business gets the deduction, it goes to them tax-free and you just saved what was sent over to them. And then when the money goes over to them, make them... Yeah, sharing the costs of running your household, paying for their own food, paying for their own sporting, their own clothing or or sports types of thing. It can be very helpful to get that deduction that they don't have to pick up as income. And it, it doesn't just have to be your kids. It can be parents. If you have parents or other family members in lower tax brackets than you, that can be helpful. You get the deduction at a higher tax bracket. They pick it up as income in a lower tax bracket. There, that can be very helpful. Uh, this last one, just in this area, I'll, rec or I'll yeah, have as a recommendation today is the Augusta rule. The Augusta rule is where you can have your own business rent part of your home or all of your home 
for up to 14 days a year from yourself. Might sound a little strange, but this was a specific tax law that allows homeowners, so individual homeowners of their personal home, they can rent out their home for up to 14 days. They can get 14 days of income off of that. Say it's they rent it out for $1,000 a night. They can get $14,000 of cash completely tax-free for renting out their own home. Now, if you rent, if your corporation or your S corporation, you can rent your home, again, say for $1,000 a night, you'd want to make sure it's reasonable, comparable to other rentals in the area. If you rent it for $1,000 a night, your business gets a $14,000 deduction, which reduces your taxable income. And whatever your tax rate is, multiply that by $14,000, that's your tax savings. You might be saving $5,000 by doing that, or even more. Say you're in a 37% bracket, you could save more than $5,000 of taxes just by documenting it and actually transferring over the money from your business to your personal account as a payment for that rent. Okay, so that is number three, being aware of the new deductions. We've gone over structuring your business correctly. We've gone over deducting your regular day-to-day operating costs and tracking those. And then number three was being aware of the new deductions and credits specifically for your business that you might not otherwise think of. And then number four is the tax-free increases to your wealth or cash flow. And I, I'm going to explain what I'm what I'm talking about here. So there are ways that you can increase your wealth or you can have cash flow that are completely tax-free. And I'll give you some very specific examples of how this works and how you can capitalize on on this opportunity. Um, One of these is, well, kind of the tax law with this is where if you get a loan for your business, let's say you get a $200,000 line of credit on your business, what happens? Like the accounting wise, what happens? So you would get a $200,000 deposit into your business bank account. And on the other side of this accounting entry, you're going to owe $200,000 back to the bank. Well, the tax law is where if you receive something, but as you receive it, you like simultaneously, you owe that money back to someone or to the bank. That is not income to you. It's not income because you owe it back. If 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 you received it and you didn't have to pay it back, that that's when it would be income, but you have to owe it back. So you have $200,000 of cash. You could go do whatever you want with the cash. And because you owe it back to the bank, that's why it's not treated as taxable income. So there's no taxable income to you, but it just increased. It increased the assets on your balance sheet and your business, the cash asset, but it also increased the liability. So if you have them offset each other like that, that's when you don't owe any tax on it. So what could you do with that $200,000 of cash? That's where the opportunity comes in. If you're if you're taking two hundred thousand dollars out of your business, or you get a line of credit in the business, you take that cash out. Say you go and buy a pool for your your own house, your personal house, and there's no business reason for it. There's no way to justify a, a pool as a deduction. That would be a personal expense, and there's no benefit to you on the tax side. What we normally recommend is take that two hundred thousand dollars of cash and go invest in assets that get you tax deductions or invest in your own business. You could spend it all on marketing. You could buy vehicles that you need. You could buy equipment that you need. By investing it or using it um, in a tax efficient way, you can get a deduction. 
with the bank's money. It's none of your, it's not your money, but you could spend that $200,000. If you got a tax benefit for it, you might save $50,000 in taxes by using that $200,000 correctly or using that in a way that gets you a tax benefit. And then the next year you, you just increased your net worth by $50,000 because you use that 200,000. So is that 200,000 to give you a tax break. So if the interest, even if it was a 10% annual interest rate on $200,000, that would cost you $20,000 in interest every year, which is also deductible. But that is that $20,000 of interest cost worth it for you to create, in that last example I gave you, for you to create a $50,000 benefit in tax savings. So you want to kind of project out what you're doing with those funds to see if it's worth it. If that new asset is going to increase your business value, if it's going to increase your production capability, it's going to increase your revenue. If you can do that with that money, it would likely be worth it. So that you do want to weigh that. Is the interest cost worth what you can do with that money? You got to look at that opportunity cost of what you can do with it. Um, so what you can do, so I've talked about you can use the money um, or you can get loans out of your business. It increases your assets and liabilities. So in getting loans is a way to have cash tax-free cash flow from your business. So tax-free is the key word. That's what we love. Tax-free cash flow is loan. Like that's what a loan proceed is or loan. The proceeds from loans is tax-free cash flow. And you can keep doing that. If you, you'd have $10 million of loans, you could have all that cash. It's going to be tax-free because it's a loan. So just remember that loans, loan proceeds is a way to have tax-free cash flow. And increases to your net worth is the other piece of this that I want you to understand. Um, it would, however you're doing this, if you're increasing your net worth, say it was with those loans or cash flow, or you're, or you're increasing your business value um, by in, by more revenue or more employees, if that value of your business is going up or value of assets that you have, value of real estate that you have, as it goes up, you are not taxed under current tax code and tax law. You're not taxed on your increases in net worth. Your net worth could go from $2 million to $20 million in just a couple of years. You have an $18 million increase in your net worth, but there is no tax owed on that. There are some net worth taxes potentially coming about, say in California, I believe it was about a $50 million. When you're over $50 million in net worth, there might be some tax there, but that increase in that example from $2 million to $20 million in net worth, there's no tax there at all on that increase. Like right now, the example I'll give you, uh, say with Elon Musk, uh, say his net worth went from, I don't have the exact numbers. Of course, I don't memorize these, but Say his, his net worth went from, say, $100 billion in 2020 to $500 billion in 2022. In that two-year span, it went up $400 billion or whatever it ended up being. Did he pay, pay any tax on that increase in his net worth? No, that, that's not the way that the tax law is designed right now. He be, and he de doesn't pay tax on it because when you don't sell stock, when you don't sell that asset that appreciated in value, there's no tax. It's an unrealized gain. And under current tax law, we are not taxed on unrealized gains. And that's what it is. When you own stock 
when you own assets, as it goes up in value, there's no tax until it's sold. So, but you need, you want to be aware of that unrealized gain and the potential tax if you did sell it. Um, but if you don't sell it, there's no, there's no tax. So here's something I know he's done and, and uh, you know, a lot of real estate investors, we do this as our, as our real estate goes up in value, but him specifically say the, the stock value went up from a hundred billion to 500 billion. And that's a $400 billion increase. He could take, he could collateralize that stock. And a lot of times you, you can collateralize up to 50% of your stock. There's a lot of brokerages that, that could do this for you. Whatever your increase was, was, or whatever the value of your stock is, you could take a loan out for part of that. Say you take a loan for half of that. And it's his, his, in his example, let's say he took a loan out for $200 billion because his stock is worth $400 billion now. When he gets a $200 billion deposit, is he going to be taxed on any of that? He wouldn't. There'd be no tax on it. Really, it depends on what he does with that next. So in the case with your specific investments, if you have, if you could own Tesla stock or you could own Apple stock that goes from $100,000 up to a million dollars of value, if you have a million dollars of stock sitting there, and this would be out, stock outside of your retirement plan typically, but if you have a million dollars of any stock, you could find a brokerage that would loan you half of that or potentially more. You could get a $500,000 check that's completely tax-free. And then you could go create deductions, grow your business, grow your net worth with that tax-free cash flow. So that's the key point I, I want to make sure to illustrate here is that figure out ways and look at those opportunities that give you tax-free cash and then use that cash to go create deductions or increase your net worth or increase your investments. So that's 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 the point I want to I want to make there. Your what you're losing, kind of if you look at the pros and cons of doing that, on the downside, you are paying interest on that loan. So your your question to yourself is is the interest I'm paying on this loan worth putting that into increase my net worth or creating these deductions. If you're paying a 5% interest rate and you have investment opportunities or ways to grow your business with that money, it's probably going to be worth it. If you just took that loan though, say in that example where you had a million dollars of stock, if you take $500,000 of a loan and you just put the money in your checking account and it's earning zero interest, but all year you're paying 5% back to the brokerage for the loan you have, that's probably not going to be worth it. So if you don't have anything to, to do with the money, you don't have investments, or you, it, it's just going to sit there, I wouldn't do it. But if you have that other those other opportunities to create deductions or start a business or get into real estate investments or oil and gas or start a syndicated fund type of thing, then it it could be worth it. You've just got to you've got to understand the tax law behind it and understand what opportunities you do have. So hopefully that helps by explaining. Giving some of those exa examples explains or helps you understand what I'm trying to get across there. But these are some of the main strategies for business owners I like to discuss. And remember, number one was structuring your business correctly. We talked about deducting, just making sure you're deducting your regular day-to-day -day operating costs. Be aware, this is number three, be aware of your new deductions and credits available to you. And then the fourth one was be aware of the opportunity with the tax-free increase to your net worth, the ways to get tax-free cash flow back to you, 
Um, there's just so much opportunity there. But I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you can use this to increase your wealth and decrease your taxes. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe and please provide a review of what you thought of this episode. For specific topic requests or questions to be covered, please email questions at wealthgamepodcast.com. Thank you.